0: Less stress, more time, more money.
1: Welcome to the Flow Contractor interview. Martin, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast with you is that I get to have conversations with someone who has experienced a lot more life than me. And we're talking about benefits, health benefits today. How has health, how have health benefits changed since you were in your first job? I don't even know what it was like back then.
0: As as far as I know, we didn't have health benefits in 1974. I mean, I have no recollection. My only health issues were basically hangovers. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if those would have been covered or not. I'd eliminated that as a problem. No, really, that's great. That's a great question. I never even thought about it. But I have no recollection of in the seventies having health insurance.
1: Well, you had kids in the eighties. So surely did you have insurance when you had kids?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we did in the eighties. Um, so yeah. Uh, Diane worked for a university at that time. I was on my own, um, having my first, working with my first business that failed and starting my second business that failed. And I didn't have insurance, but yes, we did. So I'm sure it was around. I just have no recollection.
1: Part of you don't that. even. When did you start to realize why am I paying so much? <laughs> when was that first a thought? Well, for I'll you? tell you. Um, pretty recently, uh, I paid
0: for my business in before Obama was elected. The year before, I paid three hundred eighty-five dollars a month for some really good coverage. It had like a four thousand-dollar deductible and accident exemption, so if it's an accident which all my surgeries are from then you didn't have a deductible and the total that you had to pay out was $10,000 or something i paid $385 a month i was telling our guest i'm now on social security and medicare right medicare mm-hmm. medicare cuz you have medicare. to be right I, as far you have to have nothing or that but maybe our guest can correct me if i'm wrong but i'm on that and then you buy a supplemental and it's just me and i'm now paying $800 a month
2: Whoa. So my fr- my
0: free insurance um, is costing me a total of eight hundred. What they deduct from Social Security, plus my supplemental plan. So uh, it was very shortly after Obamacare and all that went through that my insurance doubled. And That's crazy. It stayed doubled after I got free insurance. So yeah, don't know how many of our listeners will identify with social you know Social Security and Medicare, but
1: sure. Well, it's good to get that perspective. I think for myself, we're paying around. I mean, this is just health for myself, my wife and my daughter around 1100 a month is coming out of our business to pay for our insurance, which is I feel like pretty steep. But when you say 800 a month for just you makes me reconsider, Um, you know, with with health, you had mentioned Obama. It's changed. It it feels like it changes all the time and universal health care, all this kind of stuff. But a big thing that did happen after Obama, that helped me a lot, I had brain surgery. I think you might be able to see a scar right here. I was there, but, man, yeah, yeah, I know well i before Obama, it was considered a pre existing condition for because i was my mom had changed jobs and for a three month period we didn't have insurance, and in that three month period, they found this, and then I wasn't able to be covered for anything on it Cause it was a pre existing condition so That went away with obama which was helpful for me in getting my brain surgery um which happened many years later but uh the mris and all that stuff i had to i was very fortunate that i knew some people in the community that owned an mri machine and uh they gave me free mri's and got me set up with uh, a visit with a neurosurgeon and all that stuff but um yeah pre-existing conditions was crazy yeah Uh, and that's a big contributor to the increase in costs i would imagine but Let's get out of the details a little bit. The whole idea of this is an advisor mentor series, and we want to bring on a benefits person uh, that can help us navigate this stuff. Because as a business owner, you shouldn't really be, you should understand this, but you shouldn't be doing it yourself all the time uh, and be constantly worried about it. You just need to understand it and you need to have somebody that can manage it for you. So we brought on Holly Pepler. Holly, welcome to the Cashflow Contractor.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Yeah. Uh, Thanks for bearing through our three minutes of banter with me and Martin. Uh, <laughs> hey, let we, me, let me throw
0: out one premise for this conversation too. In my mind, I have had and have a lot of clients who have employees, uh, three, maybe up to 10, something like that. And they're always saying to me, man, I really need to get benefits, but I can't afford it. And I said, well, how, what do they cost? And they don't know. So one of the premises here, premise I, whatever, plural of premises, <laughs> is look, is to understand what it does cost and will cost and must cost because obviously it's an important factor
1: in attracting people nowadays. And so just throwing that out. Go ahead, Cleo. No, that, that's, that's a great question. Let's ask that, Holly. How much does it cost?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So I guess, first of all, um, if somebody tries to charge you for a quote, run the other way. That's, that's not how our business works. Um, you shouldn't come across that, but if you do, that's, that's a huge red flag right away. Um, we're paid directly from the carriers on commission. So if anybody does that, you've got the wrong person. Yeah. Um, but when we're talking group insurance, I mean, you can really run the gamut depending on the type of plan you're looking for. So do you want something with a high deductible and an HSA, a health savings account? Do you want something with a very low deductible, um, and low co-pays? So you can be talking for an employee, just an individual, really anywhere from 200 would be really low, 300 up to eight, nine hundred a month, depending on what it is that you're looking for. Most of my clients, which mostly small businesses, ranging anywhere from you know one or two employees all the way up to fifty or sixty employees, they're looking at somewhere three, four hundred dollars a month. I think it's important to remember that those costs nowadays are based on your location, though, too. So that's Mm. one thing to kind of consider. If you live in an area that has a lot healthier population, you're likely to see lower costs. Um, Using Oklahoma as an example, you know, here in the central part of the state where we have more of a metropolitan area, we have access to doctors and fitness facilities and people maybe take a little bit better care of themselves than those in the more rural part of the state, Um, you'll see the costs a little bit lower here than you may say out in the panhandle, for example.
1: Very interesting. You know, you've already thrown away, thrown out some words that uh, (laughs) I think are probably confusing to listeners. And so I think it would be helpful for us to understand maybe quick definitions of premium, Mm -hmm. co-pays, emergency visit costs, Deductible out of pocket max, family out of pocket max, all these different things, maybe so that we understand what those things mean.
2: Sure, sure. So a copay um, is going to just be the amount that you pay when you go to the doctor. So that generally is going to apply to your primary care physician, your urgent cares, um, if you go see a specialist. So, you know, maybe you're going to your OBGYN or you're going to a cardiologist. Um, Those types of things with most health plans will generally have a copay. It's a set dollar amount. So $25, $35, $50 that you pay, um, and then you walk away. You don't worry about anything else that's charged. That's handled between the doctor and the uh, insurance carrier. Your deductible and your out-of-pocket max start to apply when we're talking about things like surgeries, uh, MRIs, could be blood work, that type of thing. A deductible whether it's individual or family, depending on who you're covering, is the amount of money that you personally pay out of pocket to doctors, facilities, hospitals, um, before your insurance kicks in and pays a portion of it. So I like, oh, go ahead, Clue. Yeah,
1: I was going to say I'm having a knee replacement for $15,000. My deductible is $2,000. Yes. i am responsible for 2000 of the fifteen.
2: Yes, okay. correct. Correct, exactly. You're responsible for that. Once you hit that dollar amount, we get to what's called your out-of-pocket max, and I often like to educate people to look at that out-of-pocket max because they see that number, and it's generally large. It's usually on the very low end, two to three thousand dollars. On the higher end, you know, fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars. So people see that number and are kind of shocked. You share in the cost after your deductible. There's something called coinsurance. It's a percentage. Eighty twenty, 20 for example, your insurance carrier pays 80% of the costs, you pay 20% up until that out of pocket maximum. So I like okay. to tell people, you're in a car accident, and you're metaflighted to the hospital, and you have surgery, and you have all of these different things happen to you, right? At the end of the day, assuming you're in network, you're going to meet that out of pocket max, and then everything else the rest of the year is covered.
1: Gotcha. So Really, in that knee replacement example, fifteen thousand is what the surgery costs. My deductible is two thousand. But after that two thousand, if I have an eighty twenty co insurance, then I'm paying twenty percent of thirteen thousand or yeah, thirteen thousand after my deductible.
2: Correct. Yes. Yes. If your out of pocket max right is fifteen thousand.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: Some people will have a much lower and depending on your plan, your deductible and your out of pocket can oftentimes be very close or they can be very spread apart. So plans are going to vary. And then, of course, if you're covering a spouse or children or both, you're going to have a larger number there because you're covering more people. That number is capped for families, so either two or three times, depending on your plan. So heaven forbid you are all in a car accident, right? You're going to have one big lump sum. But the important thing to remember is every single dollar that you pay is going towards that out of pockets. So you're slowly eating away at it as the year goes on, right? Every every little copay, every prescription copay, everything that you do is slowly eating away at that number. So I haven't had any surgeries this year. I haven't had any major medical procedures, but I've gone to the doctor a few times. And so, you know, my out of pocket max may be instead of the 15,000 we used in our example, it might only be 14,000 now, right? Because I've paid out of pocket for some things. Right.
1: Gotcha. Okay, so we have a general understanding of how the insurance plans work, what we should be looking for. The premium is what we pay monthly. The deductible is what we pay before insurance kicks in. Co-insurance is the percentage we pay after the deductible. And the out-of-pocket max is the maximum we could pay in a a calendar year um, for any medical. And anytime we pay for anything medical, it goes towards that. You mentioned HSA, health savings account. Mm -hmm. Will you give a quick overview of that as well?
2: Sure. So there's two different benefits that we talk about, Um, an HSA or a health savings account and an FSA, a flexible spending account. They're similar but different. A health savings account goes along with a high deductible plan. It's money that is generally when we're talking a group setting, payroll deducted from your check. Sometimes your employer can match a portion of that. Sometimes they don't. Um, But those funds go into a savings account that can be used for medical expenses. The idea on a very high level is that you're saving, you're putting away money each month, so that if and when something happens to you, you already have those savings to pay that high deductible, the high out of pocket. In exchange for that, you're paying lower premiums. Um, so that's that's the general idea, that money can only be used for medical things though. Is
0: is HSA, are HSA contributions taxed I mean do they're deducted after tax or
2: they are deducted pre-tax, pre-tax. so, so it is a tax savings yeah um, and it can be it can be a really useful tool as long as you know how to use it properly and you have the education because if you withdraw that money for something other than medical expenses other than something that applies to that plan you're going to pay a penalty and you're going to be taxed so mm-hmm. you're hit really hard. If you do that,
0: if, if you want to have one of $5,000, let's say, built up over time and you hit that, but you haven't used it, does it just roll over? Can you ever take that money? Um, How does that work?
2: That money builds and builds and builds.
0: If you don't use it.
2: Right. right. As long as you're not using it. Correct. Um, When you do reach a certain age, you can withdraw that money at no penalty. So... I, I don't want to compare it to, you know, social security or a retirement account, but you can eventually draw that money out. It's not locked in that account forever. Um, right. But when you're younger, it is locked in that account. So you can't just withdraw it because, you know, you want to take that vacation to Hawaii, right? That money's there for medical expenses. Yeah. If you do penalties,
0: they track that with like special credit card or something like that to keep track yeah. of it.
2: Yep, it's going to work just like just like your bank account. Most come with a debit card so that you can swipe it right at the doctor's office. You can pay your copays. pays You can get your eye exam. You can go to the dentist. You know, you can do all of those things. It, it doesn't have to be something that's costly. Now, you kind of financially want to weigh, do I want to leave that money in? There? That's a whole other story. But um, you just swipe that card and use that money just like you would your checking or savings account.
0: And it's somebody like you, an SPP, we never said the name of your company, Strategic Benefit Partners. But that's something that you establish and manage for for people?
2: Mm -hmm. So your bank will actually help you manage that. Um, You do have to set up a special account. It has to be labeled a health savings account. So... um, But it works. Yeah, exactly. Just like you're checking your savings, would you're going to get statements, you get a statement at the end of the year, all of those good things. Um, And then right between strategic benefit partners or your broker um, and the bank and your insurance company, all of that's managed.
0: Do you have to be a group to do that? A member of a group?
2: You don't. Um, There are fees associated with it that come from the bank. Um, especially when you're individuals, those fees can sometimes get a little bit higher. Each bank is a little bit different, Um, but you don't have to be a group. You just have to have a qualifying plan. So you cannot have, you know, a really low deductible in an HSA account. That money Mm. can be there if you've had it, say, from a previous employer, um, but you can't add to it because there are tax advantages to kind of socking that money away on a pre-tax basis. But
0: that's something... Uh, you know, everything we're talking about may be a little confusing, maybe Mm -hmm. not. It's confusing to me, but that's something that somebody like you should be able to explain and help set up.
2: Correct. Yep. Your broker and your age or your agent should be able to guide you in doing that.
1: Yeah. So we understand what the options are for us between HSA, what we should be looking for in a health benefits plan, but we're a small business owner. We've, then, you know, we have the option of, maybe we should talk about the option of uh, healthcare.gov, because that is a, a real option that's out there. Um, so let's, let's chat about that really fast.
2: Yeah, yeah. So healthcare.gov, sometimes you'll hear it referred to as the marketplace, um, is basically, we talked a little bit, I think, at the beginning about Obamacare. It's Obamacare. Um, You go on to healthcare.gov, you can search for plans, you can enroll in plans, um, and it's individual coverage. So it's just you, maybe your family members. Um, It's not through your employer. You're generally paying that with post-tax money, meaning you've already been paid from your employer or your business, and you're turning around and taking that money that's been taxed to pay those premiums. Not necessarily a bad thing, you know millions of people use the marketplace
1: right and it, it it's probably a better option if you're just starting in business and really can't afford a lot and you're not making a lot of money it will be subsidized right. by the government in some Correct. capacity and you may be able to get free insurance you know as you're getting started
0: but it's o- it's only for the owner at that point it's only Correct. for the
1: owner this is when you're just starting out as an individual probably a good option So you have healthcar.gov, but let's say that you do have three employees and you want to get them insurance or at least the option for insurance. What's the best way to start, Holly?
2: Yeah. So I think it's important to note here that for most small businesses, you need to have two people. So you need to have one enrolling and one what we call a valid waiver, meaning they have insurance somewhere else. They have it through mom and dad. They have it through a spouse, a variety of reasons, right? They have it through Medicaid, can be anything. So a group can be as small as two people. Um, You're a husband and a wife and you're both owners of the business or the business pays both of you. You know, we, we can do that. Um, But to get started um, you need to find somebody that you trust an agent or a broker. You can go directly to the carriers. I personally don't recommend that mostly because you're not going to have any guidance. They're going to send you a quote and, good luck. <laughs> Maybe call a 1-800 number if you have questions, right? Um, so I certainly would recommend working with, a. I, I use the term broker and agent really interchangeably here. It is somebody or a, a group, a business who specializes in insurance and can help get that information.
0: And it, it does not cost you any more to go to a broker because they get paid by the insurance company.
2: Correct. Correct. Yep. The insurance company one way or another is taking your premiums and those premiums are partly going to pay someone, right? So they're either right. keeping it in their pocket as profit um, or they're paying it out to a broker. So okay. maybe I'm biased, but use a broker, right? You wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't uh, try to find you do, maybe nowadays, but generally when you go to find home and auto insurance, right? You call up somebody, call up a local agent on the corner, and they're there to help guide you through that process. Same thing for group health insurance.
1: So whenever I'm a business owner and I'm looking into this, let's Mm -hmm. walk through what that process looks like of actually working with you. Where do we start? What are the things that we're gonna consider whenever we're looking into plans? Um, And yeah, I'll let you start there.
2: Yeah, so a census is the very first thing we need and that's basically just a list of genders and birthdays of the people that might want coverage. It's nothing hard and fast. We don't have to, these people said they might want coverage, they have to enroll. Nothing like that. It's just a starting point for us. Um, In addition to that, we're gonna need the business's zip code and what the business does. How do they make money, right? Um, So that gives us a guideline then to work these quotes off of. We take that information, the broker takes that information and they'll quote that with a variety of carriers. For the most part, you should be looking for your broker to give you at least two quotes um depending on where you are in the country it could be more than that the size of your business will determine that as well so here in oklahoma for small businesses i find recently blue cross is really the most competitive so when i present to a client i'm generally bringing blue cross but i'm also bringing at least one or two other quotes to show them this is this is why you know we're going this route but these are available
0: who else writes health insurance in oklahoma that, that a small business i've never seen anything but blue cross there's a lot
2: yeah blue Cross is, is so popular here um especially for small businesses
0: i i wouldn't say popular
2: well <laughs> popular as far as use. people using them maybe yeah oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> maybe not popular as far as the benefits um but you do see united Healthcare. um you see a little bit of cigna um Aetna isn't really a player in the small market, but you do see that as companies get a little bigger. And then you have a lot of additional what we call level-funded plans through again companies like United Healthcare, All State Benefits Health. I mean, there's really a myriad of options that you could look at.
0: And when I think you and I have talked in the past that if you're in this market and you're a similar-sized company, uh, any broker that you use they're going to bring you the same thing. So it's not like, well, use them. They can save me a bunch. Well, maybe you can save them money, but
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> would you talk about yes. that a little bit?
2: Yes. So I, I touched on the fact that brokers are paid through commissions. Um, and those commissions are a set level when you have a group that's under 50 employees, a size of 50, right? Um, when you're in that small market not only are those commissions level but the premiums if your census if you're quoting with several different brokers they should if everyone has the exact same census bring back the exact same quote so again things like zip code and sic code or industry code do play a part in that quote so if anything varies you leave somebody off the census you change somebody's birthday you could see different quotes different quotes, excuse me, but all things staying the same, you should see the exact same quote from every single broker. If you look at the exact same plan, it should spit out the exact same premium.
0: Well one thing I wanted to bring up too. Early on we said that the cost, and this might have scared people off, could be on the low end Mm -hmm. from three hundred to eleven hundred dollars for a person. We're not talking about some families and not what all my understanding is that an employer doesn't have to pay all of that. So if I'm a little guy and I'm looking at $1,100, I'm going, well, I was right. I can't afford health care. Yes. What, what affects that? How can you, what what defines the group? How can you set up groups? And what can you choose to pay as the employer?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So to set up a group, you basically need a tax ID number, right? And those two people. <laughs> one enrolling and one waiving um you're going to have to provide a few things to the insurance carrier your quarterly wage tax report for example so you do have to be a business we have to account for everybody on that report um but when it comes to actually paying for those premiums there's a lot of different strategies here my favorite is offering two or maybe three plans depending on the size of the group I like to call them good, better, and best. So what happens is the employer in most cases is required to pay 50% of the employee only premium um, of the base plan. So that may sound a little confusing, but if you have a good, better, and a best plan, you pay 50% of that good plan. So we talked about a $300 a month premium, employers responsible for 150, employee is responsible for 150
1: and then that that would allow you to then if if i'm an employee at your company and hey that good option is okay but i really want the best option you're still only paying 150 and me as the employee i can pay the additional premium out of my paycheck every month
2: exactly exactly so you pay that additional premium you pay premium for your spouse or your children um all of that is pre-taxed. So if it's set up correctly, um, so it's a savings for the employee too, to have that payroll, payroll deducted.
0: But before we get off off of how to set up a group, can you have, let's say you have 15 employees and uh, you like five of them and want to pay their insurance and you don't like 10, (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe I wouldn't say that on a podcast if that's what I were doing, (laughs) but you can establish, different kinds of groups uh, that you qualify for differently is that correct
2: yes and no um some carriers have more strict rules than others um you want to be careful not to discriminate against employees right so i'm sure you guys talk about that a lot right you don't want to discriminate against employees for any reason
1: well it's good to set up your groups where it's like the men are on one side the women are on the other so that you only pay for benefits people that aren't having kids.
2: (laughs) Right, right.
1: (laughs) Subdivided
0: by religion and ethnicity too. (laughs) And and things become really clear. (laughs) Right.
2: Right. So you do have to make sure, um, generally speaking, we're not paying for part-time employees, right? They're excluded. As an employer, when you set up benefits, you determine what that threshold is. Is it people who only work 40 hours a week? Do you allow people who work 20 hours a week? you know you get a little bit of wiggle room there you do have waiting or eligibility periods as well so there are guidelines on that too but that can kind of help a lot of small businesses you know well, I don't I don't know if Martin's going to make it you know past 30 days I don't want to pay for insurance for him right now you have a waiting period built into that some carriers will let you completely segment in a sense of, you know, maybe you're only covering management, but you don't cover non-management. So talk with your broker about that. It can vary carrier to carrier and state to state what what those rules are.
0: So those rules are set by carriers, as not some federal man. I mean, the EEOC is there, but uh,
2: yeah, again, it's pretty much yes a- and yes and no. When we talk about different types of plans, generally speaking, what we've been talking about is called fully insured. In your Blue Cross, your United Healthcare, um, you pay a premium each month, and in return, you have those deductibles and There There is; those rules are generally mandated by the government to some degree. So, Obamacare, one of the parts of that said you can't let employees wait more than sixty days before coming onto insurance. Now, again, there's there's always a gray area, right? Right. Um, so, take that for what it's worth. Then you have on the flip side something called level funded, which I don't think we really want to dive into today. It's a whole different beast. But when you get into that, the employer is essentially paying claims. And so you can really kind of nail down what you want, what you want covered, who you want covered, those types of things.
1: Yeah. I think a really important thing for business owners to understand as they think about benefits is that the option really matters. For your recruiting of employees, it's not necessarily that you have to be providing the best health care, but you can, for free, minus whatever your premium is for that good plan, you can provide really incredible options to employees without even spending extra. Um, right. So just having that mindset of, like, let's just have these options available will change the way that you're able to recruit people. Um, the other thing I was going to say, we haven't talked about dental and vision, are there requirements for the employer to pay the premiums or portions of the premiums for those services?
2: Sure, so they can if they want to. You know, I see small businesses who have really robust plans. We pay for everything. Or we give employees a stipend of X number of dollars. So if they don't use it for their medical, they can use it for other benefits that maybe they need, right? Um, But when it comes to anything outside of health, medical care, dental, vision, disability, life insurance, accident insurance, all of that is what we call voluntary, meaning it's entirely payroll deducted from the employee. Now, it's still billed to the employer. They're still paying that bill each month, but they're withholding those funds from their employees to pay that.
0: They're all still pre-tax?
2: Most of the time. That's why
0: you need an advisor.
2: (laughs) That's right. Most of the time.
0: (laughs) You know, one thing that always kind of confused me is open enrollment. And in discussions with you, I've discovered that there are two kinds of open enrollment Uh, for individuals in Obamacare. Can you talk a little bit about open enrollment, what that means and people who might be listening that thinking I have a plan that I'd like to look at, but I can't change it because it's not June or whatever.
2: Right, right. So we, I think, tend to think of open enrollment as commercials you see on TV, right? It's open enrollment Hmm. time, make your plan changes now. Whether that be for Obamacare or it be for Medicare, um, that's the individual side of things. And you are kind of put into this category of you can only make changes this time of year. Generally, it's the end of the year. But um, for groups, that may be a little bit different. You generally will see open enrollment happen one time every 12 months. And it's generally every 12 months from when the plan was first set up. So... I have a group that starts February 1. Their open enrollment is in January. It's going to be in January next year for February 1. That can kind of change sometimes. You can make adjustments to that. But generally, it's every 12 months. Um, Then we come into something called qualifying events, which are things like marriage, divorce, birth, or death, a loss of a job, a gain of a job. Those things all allow you on both the individual side and the group side to make changes to your health plan. So if somebody is on an individual plan right now, they're a small business owner, they had purchased it just for themselves, they've grown, they have two or three employees now, and those employees are clamoring for health insurance, we can absolutely move them to a group plan and that qualifies them to cancel that individual plan.
0: But on the, uh, on the group side, you said that they'll typically go January to January, but they don't have to, they could change. Correct.
2: I have groups that start January all the way through December. So um, some companies like it to line up with their fiscal year and their open enrollment is in June for July. Other companies just, you know, brought on a bunch of employees in October and they set up benefits for November one. So that is not going to be consistent across the group market. Um, you'll see some trends, fiscal year, calendar year, for example.
0: But if somebody had a had a group and were being poorly served by their advisor and wanted to change, they could do that. Yep. Is that correct?
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: It's not even really open enrollment. It's just like you have the option as a group, you don't as a person.
2: That's a little bit different. Um, open enrollment is going to be the time that you can make changes and generally when your renewal comes out, right? So. Okay. In the insurance world that usually means your price is increasing (laughs) that happens (laughs) one time a year um there is something separate called an agent of record and that is the person that is helping handle your benefits that's your advisor you can change that at any time that does not coincide with your open enrollment at all a lot of people do change it i think maybe because they don't know that they can they do change it at open enrollment but you can change that at any time two separate things that we're talking about there though.
1: Yeah. So we talked a lot about uh, the health side of it. There's other benefits though that you you help with and that employers can use, like life insurance, disability insurance. Let's talk through some of those, maybe how those work.
2: Yeah, so health insurance, we all think of as kind of that necessary evil, right? Everybody, for the most part, is looking for health insurance or doesn't need health insurance for some reason. But then you get into things like dental, vision, life insurance, disability insurance, and those are going to vary employee to employee. One of my favorite things is, you know, I will sit down sometimes with a a new mom. She just had a baby. She's back at work and she's enrolling in benefits and I need to get the baby in my dental insurance, you know, and I like to kind of laugh.
0: They don't have any teeth. They don't
2: have any teeth yet. So (laughs) let's not, let's save that money (laughs) and maybe put it towards diapers, formula, what have you. They're probably not going to the dentist right now. Wait until next open enrollment or a year from now, potentially. Um, So in that case, they don't don't need all of the benefits, maybe. Or somebody sits down, they don't wear glasses or contacts, it may not be beneficial to buy that vision plan. But then you have a, a handful of people who do wear contacts, glasses. They want that vision insurance. So offering a spread of benefits, even for small employers, can make a huge difference and can really help with retention and with finding new employees you know if you're trying to to get those good employees kind of on your side they're looking for those types of things big employers are offering those types of things but i think the important thing to remember here is all of these benefits can be separate so you can offer a medical and a vision plan and no dental plan You can offer a medical plan and a life insurance plan and nothing else. You can offer it all, right? (laughs) So um, I think dental and vision, people are probably pretty familiar with. Dental is coverage for your teeth. Vision is coverage for your eyes. Um, Life insurance, that's a death benefit if you pass away. Um, That goes to your beneficiary, your spouse or, you know, a family member. Disability insurance is paycheck insurance. So if your employees, I think, especially for a small business, a lot of times it does feel like a family and you do care about those employees. But what happens when that employee has ACL surgery and they can't come to work for six weeks? I don't know the recovery time that may be way off, but, you know, they're not allowed to be on their feet and they have a a job that requires them to do manual labor. Disability insurance can come in there, their employer's not paying them because they're not working, but the employer is still caring for them in a sense that they offered them this coverage to help supplement that income. It's a benefit that's payable to the employee when they're not getting a paycheck. Um, And then you have other benefits, accident, cancer, critical illness. I mean, if you want to cover it, there's likely a benefit available to cover it.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about the onboarding of employees, and for the business owner, they usually don't have a dedicated HR person on staff. What does that look like if they're going to have a benefits partner like yourself? How do you come in to supplement maybe the role that HR would have on the benefits side?
2: Absolutely, so there's a couple of different ways you can handle enrollment. You can do it both electronically or on paper. each group's a little bit different as far as how tech savvy they might be. Um, but for us, we offer both of those options. Employees can simply, an em- employer lets me know they've added Martin as an employee. And uh, we get them all set up there. He gets an email. He can view all of his benefits. But most importantly, I think education is lacking, especially in the small business space. I don't think we'd be having this conversation today if that wasn't true. Um Finding someone who can help educate your employees so that you don't have that young mom with a new baby covering them on dental insurance, right? You, your broker, your agent really should be your advisor and helping not only you as the employer, but helping your employees as well. So for us at Strategic Benefit Partners, that is something that we take great pride in. Call us, email us, text us, you know, we'll we'll work with you to make sure that you're getting those questions answered because... If the employer didn't know what a deductible in an out of pocket is, their employee likely doesn't know that either. (laughs) And they're looking at these premiums and they're thinking, gosh, that's so much money and these numbers are so high, why even bother? Because nobody's ever taken the time to explain that to them. And I think as an employer, being able to offer that service to their employees, hey, there's somebody who's gonna hold your hand, they're going to walk you through this process and they're going to answer all of the questions that you have really can change your entire benefits landscape.
0: Yeah, that was the main point I had, uh, kind of thinking about what you look for in a broker is pretty much gonna come back with the same price, but it's not only the education when you sign up and enroll the clients, it's they've got a question about append... Well, not the medical question, but right. I need to get a colonoscopy. What, what do I need to do? How can I right. find out how much that costs? And they've right. got somebody besides the boss to call.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they don't necessarily want to be telling right, their boss that they want therapy for something. Or, <laughs> yeah, that they, might, they think they might have cancer and they need an MRI or a CT scan. You know, how do I go about that? Who do I call? So we can help guide them. Of course, yeah, not medical professionals. Not going to diagnose you. But I can tell you, hey, this is how we're going to find you a doctor. Here's a list of them. It's yeah. going to cost X, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, Holly, we know that you're working in over 20 states across the U.S., uh, and if we are not going to sit here and list those states off. But (laughs) if you're listening and you haven't done benefits or you're looking to change benefits, maybe reach out to Holly. Her information will be in the show notes. But if you're in one of the states that Holly doesn't work in and you're just exploring what it looks like to find uh, a benefits uh, person that can help you, what are the things that you should be looking for as you're vetting benefits partners, as you're scheduling meetings and looking at them online? What are the red flags? What are the, you know, the good things that you can find in, in a good benefits partner?
2: Sure, sure. So I think asking about education is key, right? So you're going to get a pretty good idea talking to them on the phone. Are they willing to answer those questions for you? Um, are they going to just give you a link to go enroll or are they going to walk you through that process? Neither one is right or wrong. Um, If you feel comfortable with it and you just want to link it, you don't ever want to talk to anybody, that's great. There's a broker out there for you. Um, But I think especially as a small business, you want to look for somebody who's going to help with that education. They're going to offer you a variety of different ways to enroll. So are they able to accommodate electronic paper? Are you looking for somebody to come out to your facility, to your office, and talk to those employees? And then is there somebody, maybe most importantly, who, after the product is sold, is going to be there to help answer your questions? So as simple as, you know, if I have a question after this is all taken care of, who do I call? Are they telling you to call a 1-800 number? Are they telling you to call their office? Do they have a team of people? Do you have a dedicated person? I see a lot of small businesses, especially um, working with large brokers, and it's, We'll call this person if you have a medical question and call this person if you have a dental question and call this person if you have a vision question so again not necessarily right or wrong but what are you looking for as a small business owner i know me personally if i'm looking for an advisor in something i want to call that person right i'm calling my cpa for an accounting question or a payroll question i don't want to talk to a, a variety of different people um you want to have that one point of contact. Now, they may have a team at their office. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Um, But is it is it that one number that you're calling? I think that's probably one of the most important things. Um, But again, as we mentioned before, too, if there's additional costs associated with something, that's generally a red flag. If you're feeling pressured into a benefit, that's a red flag to me. I like to present options to employers, but not everything fits um, if they're not being honest with you about why you may or may not need a benefit, that's probably a red flag too.
1: Yeah. wow, so much great knowledge. I think that this is really probably a, a freeing conversation for a lot of employers because they're they've maybe been avoiding the benefits conversation uh, or it's not something they think about often. Uh, and so if you haven't made if you haven't pulled the trigger on benefits, you definitely need to look into it. Uh, it's really amazing how much more confident you feel when you're hiring somebody. Uh, it, for I, I know for myself as a business owner, it helped me once I had benefits on board for my business to feel comfortable putting out the job ad and really reaching out to people that weren't in my network because I felt like they were going to be, they would see it as a real opportunity because now there's benefits involved. Whereas before I felt like someone had to understand my situation and I was just starting out. And I can only find friends to work for me and all that kind of stuff. So I think it'll help you as a business owner to have benefits in place and to have an advisor that you can lean on. Uh, But it'll also help you in your recruiting process and attracting more talent into your business and allowing you to compete for that talent with other business owners.
0: You know, something that's a little, a little ironic is that just in passing, see people with 20, 25 employees and they're calculating the costs, but they pull the trigger and half of them don't take the coverage right exactly because their wife or or her husband has you know so anyway go ahead Khalil the important part no
1: that's a really that's a really good point that you it's it's not as challenging as you think and it's definitely worth exploring uh and having those conversations with your employees like you said Martin you may have 20 employees but only five take on the coverage and it actually doesn't cost you that much so um definitely worth looking into Holly how can people get in touch with you
2: yeah, definitely. Um, email is probably the best way. Holly at mybenefitpartner.com um, or via phone is a great way to contact me as well. But you can also find me out on LinkedIn, Holly Kepler and Strategic Benefit Partners.
1: Excellent. We'll link to all those things in the show notes. Holly, we really appreciate you being on for the Cashflow Contractor and yes. uh, appreciate you being an advisor and mentor to our audience. And we hope to see you around soon.
2: Awesome. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. Take Thanks, care. Holly.
2: Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to The Cash Flow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit the cashflowcontractor.com.